Real Goddess, Discovering Your Divine Destiny by Cherie Sandal, Episode 80, Heavenly Parents. Real Goddess is the most important thing you can know about in your life. Real Goddess is more than an inner voice that might set her above others, or that only works for her. She benefits everyone. The potential goddess is not saying she and God are equals, but as any parent would hope, made the same as her makers, with the same potential end, a sum total of a life well lived as she becomes love. And I'm here to rope you in, sister. So I remember the first time I ever had an idea that there might be a heavenly mother who was married to my heavenly father. And I hate to admit, I might have been 15 years old or so. And someone mentioned us having a heavenly mother. And I thought, what? I never even thought about that. I've always just prayed and believed in and revered my heavenly father. So then I started thinking about it through the years and realizing that there's got to be a heavenly mother because it just seems weird that there wouldn't be. I have an earthly mother and an earthly father. So why wouldn't I have a heavenly mother as well? So today, this is a tribute to my heavenly mother, and I'm going to be taking resources from the Gospel Topics essay and A Mother There, a survey of historical teachings about mother in heaven. All human beings, male and female, are beloved spirit children of heavenly parents, a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. This understanding is rooted in scriptural and prophetic teachings about the nature of God, our relationship to deity, and the godly potential of men and women. Eliza R. Snow, my direct ancestor, wrote the hymn entitled, My Father in Heaven, now known as Oh My Father. Listen to it for just a moment. Did you catch in there? This text declares, In the heavens are parents single, No, the thought makes reason stare. Truth is reason, truth eternal, Tells me I have a mother there. Thanks, great, 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 great. I think it's aunt or grandma, Snow? She speaks of Heavenly Mother acting in the role of sending us forth to undergo the trials of mortality. Harold Lee stated, We forget that we have a Heavenly Father and a Heavenly Mother who are even more concerned, probably, than our earthly father and mother, and that influences far beyond are constantly working to try to help us when we do all we can. In other words, they're sitting there cheering us on. They're there, both of them, wanting for our very best and hoping we can do it. 
but we don't pray to Heavenly Mother. Jesus Christ taught his disciples to always pray unto the Father in my name. Gordon Hinckley said, The fact that we do not pray to our Mother in Heaven in no way belittles or denigrates her. Roger Clausen wrote, We honor woman when we acknowledge Godhood in her eternal prototype. We appreciate the sacredness of the divine pattern established for us as heavenly children of heavenly parents. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.11, Neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. Men and women cannot be exalted without each other. Just as we have a father in heaven, we have a mother in heaven. Our theology begins with heavenly parents. Our highest aspiration is to be like them. There is a cultural perception of not mentioning Heavenly Mother as perhaps being exacerbated that Heavenly Mother has always been and continues to be surrounded by a holy hush. Put simply, we just don't really talk about her. But here are some of our Heavenly Mother's titles. Procreator, Omnibenevolent Character, or divine intelligence, honorable with deep reverence, divine embodiment, the shared lineage of gods and humans, mother god, godmother, god the mother, god their eternal mother, and the eternal mother. Our heavenly parents pass through several stages or estates by which they have attained exaltation and together propagate that higher order of beings called spirits. Apparently, neither of them could beget our spirits of our spirit bodies alone. Each of us lived in a primordial existence as an individual spirit child of heavenly parents, where we were reared and nurtured. In the development of our characters, our heavenly mother was perhaps particularly nurturing. Can you just imagine it? That mother who is, if you think of your earthly mother, if you had a good mother like I had, you think, yeah, she knew how to nurture, but our Heavenly Mother knows how to nurture times a hundred, times a thousand. Our great Heavenly Mother was the greater molder. Our mother was a molder. Heavenly Mother has played a significant role in all of our lives, looking over us with watchful care and providing careful training. We are to emulate the family structure exemplified by our father and mother because, as Susan Young Gates taught, the home is patterned after the heavenly dwelling of our divine parents. Orson Whitney explained that there was a time when that being who we now worship, that our eternal father and mother, were once man and woman in mortality. The soul-making trials of her earthly experience, coupled with continuing growth after a celestial resurrection, helped her hone the qualities of divinity to move her from womanhood to godhood. In other words, she had to have a mortal existence to also attain her divine godhood status. Susa Young Gates urged that divine mother, side by side with the divine father, has the equal sharing of equal rights, privileges, and responsibilities. Roger Clausen said, It doesn't take from our worship of the Eternal Father to adore our Eternal Mother, any more than it diminishes the love we bear our earthly fathers to include our earthly mothers in our affections. Rather, we honor woman when we acknowledge Godhood in her eternal prototype. So it doesn't take away and lessen our revere for our Heavenly Father when we love and honor our Heavenly Mother. They both 
increase in that honor together, synergistically. Charles Penrose of the Desert News argued that there is a mother in heaven and cited the feminine gender of the divine spirit in the morning of creation that moved upon the face of the waters as evidence. Milton Hunter taught that the exaltation and endless lives that celestial women and men share include the power to create or organize mortal worlds. Patricia Holland says, Our mother and our father are involved in the ongoing process of creating everything around us and are doing so lovingly and carefully and masterfully. Both our Heavenly Father and Mother are up there just working in our behalf and cheering in our behalf and guiding. Our Heavenly Parents provided us with a celestial home more glorious and beautiful than any place on earth. We were happy there. Yet they knew we could not progress beyond a certain point unless we left them for a time. They wanted us to develop the godlike qualities that they have. To do this, we needed to leave our celestial home to be tested and to gain experience. Think about sending away your own children. You don't think, well, I just hope they'll just stick around home forever and they just won't ever figure out how to earn anything like a car or a house. And I just hope that they just stick around here and don't ever progress. No. We hope that they're going to go out and embrace life in both its ups and downs, its light and dark, just like our heavenly parents who knew that to progress, we needed this earthly experience. Wherever there have been intelligences, fundamental principles have existed. They constitute the laws of eternal truth. Our heavenly parents have, through eons of time, applied in their lives an untold number of these everlasting laws. Heavenly parents, with increased love, mingled with pride and grief, they accepted the willing offer of Jesus Christ, says Chieko Okazaki. So our heavenly parents together knew that when they sent Jesus Christ here, he would be tried and tortured and hated and eventually killed. Lula L. Green Richards, my four greats aunt, wrote that Heavenly Mother smiled on her righteous children as they voted to uphold the will of the Council in Heaven and chose to come to Earth. This instruction could only come through separation from our Heavenly Parents. Again, the idea of, we don't just hope our kids will stay home forever, we hope they'll move on and gain experience and wisdom and goodness. Ruth May Fox composed a short dialogue entitled The Parable of Ten Talents, which converts Christ's parable into a thinly veiled story of daughters leaving the presence of their heavenly mother to experience mortality. Before their separation, the mother gathers them together and grants each of them a divine character trait to prepare them for the battle of life. She also advises that upon their return, she will require a reporting of their accomplishments. Can you imagine Heavenly Mother up there? instructing us before we left. This is what you're going to need to know. And I've often thought about Heavenly Father with a chest of learning that we needed to take with items that would help us on earth and a toolbox so we have tools when we come here. But what would a Heavenly Mother instruct us with and send us off with? Like a sewing kit and a cooking satchel thingy that helps us to be able to know more of the nurturing ways of being? So I so often have thought about Heavenly Father sending us off, but she was there to equally and hoping for our very best as we left, hoping we were prepared like we hope our kids are prepared when we send them off. Harold Lee wrote, there came a day then when mother and father said, now my son, my daughter, it is now your time to go. This is the greatest time in the history of the world. 
This is the fullness of times. And now because of your faithfulness, you are permitted to go down in this fullness of time upon the earth. I suppose as father and mother bade us goodbye, there may have been some sadness there because they knew Satan was here and one-third of all of the hosts were with him here. We walked, as it were, through an open door. The door was closed behind us. So Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother are on the other side. But they're always there. They are there cheering for us and guiding us and hoping we do our best. Jeff Holland asks that if they, as heavenly parents, can love so much and try so hard, what does that say of a more godly love that differs from our own as the stars differ from the sun? On a particularly difficult day, what would this world's inhabitants pay to know that heavenly parents are reaching across those same streams and mountains and deserts, anxious to hold them close? Chieko Okazaki explained that when our rising love and joyful gratitude meet the shower of mercy and love from the Savior and from our heavenly parents, in that contact is the pure radiance and brilliant light of glory. John Witso said, Righteous living draws us toward them and their guiding influence. Dallin Oaks said, Our highest aspiration is to become like our heavenly parents. Men and women alike are to seek after and develop the divine traits exemplified by both father and mother. Neil Maxwell said, At meeting our heavenly parents again, such a regal homecoming could not be possible without the anticipatory arrangements of a heavenly mother. This reunion would include vividly recalling our formal life with them. There are two thoughts in that statement. First of all, Heavenly Mother's going to have the food already because the servants below her have prepared it. She's going to have everything looking spotless and fabulous because her servants have all done that, her ministering angels. And then when we think about our formal life, we'll remember all this goodness. So when they when they welcome us back home, it's going to be a huge celebration with both of them. As Ruth Mayfox imagined in her narrative, Heavenly Heavenly Mother will ask for a report of our accomplishments. Matilda Teasdale wrote, You will go home to father and mother to give an account of your labors. We as parents give an account to our father and mother in heaven of the same manner in which we have conducted ourselves toward the precious souls entrusted to us. Once again, we as parents will also have the same characteristics as our heavenly parents as we send children away and prepare them and return ourselves, one big eternaling cycle. Spencer Kimball said, Our renewed relationship with our Heavenly Mother would be immensely influential. He reasoned, Knowing how profoundly our mortal mothers have shaped us here, do we suppose her influence on us as individuals to be less if we live so as to return to heaven? Accordingly, the loving support and example of both Father and Mother will guide us in the eternities. So again, do you see this influence that they have on us that maybe we haven't even realized or anticipated or understood? It sounds to me like it's going to be a great time of both parents just welcoming us home and knowing that we've done well and that we've had the influence of the Heavenly Mother whether or not we've thought about it. So I have a couple of questions. Was Heavenly Mother a co-creator of the world or not? As I read through these two articles that I've been quoting from, there were people who would cite evidence from scripture and other prophetic words 
that would support and not support that she was a co-creator. People argue back and forth, and they might say, well, God includes Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, but we actually don't really know. But ultimately, the most important social unit in eternity is the family. It is no simple feat to understand how these two social relationships, the Trinity and the eternal family, can best be understood together. For either to be fully God, each must have a partner with whom to share the power of endless lives. Thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. So here's another question that I have. This commandment, thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother, how does that apply to both earthly and heavenly parents? And assuming that we should always honor our heavenly parents first by putting their will above anything else, by submitting to them, at what point do we say, sorry, earthly parents, I'm, I'm just listening to my heavenly parents right now because maybe you have some bad earthly parents. And even though the scripture says to honor them, I think it goes to say that we would honor heavenly parents first. Do you agree? If there's a queen of the kingdom, when is there ever a queendom? I assume heavenly mother will never actually be a queen of the queendom. And let me explain why. There is a natural order of submitting to man. I don't know why. It's just the way it is. And this is how I make peace with that in my mind. So in my symphony percussion group that I am a part of in the community, we have a section leader. And whenever there's a question, we just go to the section leader. We don't all just try to decide and just all of us uh, coordinate and compromise and figure out a way. We go to the section leader and say, hey, what do you say? And she says, this is what I say. And we might be able to put in our input, but she's the one that has the final say. Or this one really helps me. When you go to dance with a guy as a female, you just know the guy is the leader. It's just the way it's been assigned. And it's easy for us to know that when we go onto the dance floor, the woman, she's going she's gonna to give some tenseness in her arms and be lead double and not like a floppy fish. And she just knows that he, the guy, will lead her. It's just been assigned that way. So I, I do wonder about the queendom, but I think she'll always be queen of the kingdom. And then here's my last question. With most of my life, most of my childhood, I should say, Heavenly Mother seeming unmentionable, such that I didn't even really think about it till I was midway through my teenage years. Well, taking the Lord's name in vain, the third commandment, would also include Heavenly Mother having her name in vain. And what I've always heard is that the Lord doesn't want to mention Heavenly Mother because then people can also defile and defame her. And I just wonder, are we just so far past that already? We already have people using the Lord's name in vain all the time. Is it okay just to bring up Heavenly Mother now anyway? Like bringing out your biggest weapon for all to see when the war is the most sincere? Like Wonder Woman, but dressed more modestly? Glenn Pace said, I testify that when you stand in front of your heavenly parents in those royal courts on high and you look into her eyes and behold her countenance, any question you ever had about the role of women in the kingdom will evaporate into the rich celestial air, because at that moment you will see standing directly in front of you your divine nature and destiny.
And that is what I conclude with thinking about the potential goddess. She has a pattern and a prototype of her original Heavenly Mother, of whom she can exemplify. Imagine that Heavenly Mother, who is the ultimate authority figure embodying womanhood. She is almighty and divinely powerful, guiding you and me in the wings, bowing you and me up to all she knows and can be. The best mom. I hope you'll join me in awakening one million potential goddesses to their divine destiny by sharing this podcast and information with others you think would benefit. And I hope you can embrace that divine femininity within you.